Welcome to Women in B2B Marketing, a show where CMOs, VPs of marketing, and all strong women leaders in B2B discuss their top tactics, strategies, and tips for building high-performing teams, leveraging trends, and ultimately rocking their marketing careers. Made by and for women, insightful for all. I'm your host and 15-year B2B marketer, Jane Sarah. Let's dive in. All right. Thank you, everybody, for joining us today. I'm super excited for this episode because we are going to dive deep into AI, the big term right now that is everywhere. And today we have with us to chat all things AI, Nicole Leffer, who is tech marketing leader and CMO AI advisor and guru for all things AI marketing related, especially in the B2B space. So super excited to pick your brain a lot today, Nicole. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Awesome. Before we dive in, can you tell me a little bit about how you got into marketing and your first foray into marketing and B2B? Yeah. So I feel like I've been a marketer my entire life because I came from a marketing family and a very Ah. entrepreneurial family. So we were always marketing. I was trying to decide what was my first foray into B2B this morning when I was like preparing for this. I would say, so when I was in college, I actually started a visitor's guide to the town that my college was in. And I went out and I was selling advertising for this guide to all of these local restaurants and local businesses, but I had to make all of the marketing collateral. So that was my visitor's guide business selling to those businesses. So I would say that was technically my first foray, but later I owned a e-commerce chocolate ingredients company that started out as the B2B company selling chocolate ingredients and ended up growing to be one of the top 1,000 internet retail companies in the country at the time. Wow. Uh, but we always were about 50 to 60% B2B and uh, and then into the B2B SaaS space. And that's kind of the world that I live in now. So it just kind Amazing. of, and all of that was B2B marketing. SaaS space. Yeah. So I have a lot it. of different types of B2B marketing experience. Very interesting. Yeah. B2B e-com too. Love that. So from the world of tourism in college, being a (laughs) self-starter, love that too, into chocolate, another love of mine, and then into the world of SaaS and and more B2B side of things. So interesting. Yeah. It's been a unique career trajectory for sure. Yeah. And of course, all of these, anything when you're starting a business, there's always marketing involved. So that that's definitely oh, yeah. a common thread through all of these. Yeah, definitely. And I was the CMO at the chocolate company and I was the head of marketing at the SaaS company I worked for. I wasn't, I didn't start that company. And then yeah. now I'm working with a lot of B2B SaaS companies and other B2B companies and teaching them how to do AI. So my Love hands that. are in B2B all day, every day. So <laughs> perfect. <laughs> well, this is the right audience for you. <laughs> yep. So let's dive into AI because there's so much to cover. I want to make sure we at least scratch the surface and that's probably all we'll get to do today. But before we dive deep into it, can we just lay some common ground on what is, we were talking about this earlier, but what is generative AI? Because it's it's one of those terms we hear all the time and we just kind of assume we understand the meaning, but we probably don't fully, in we meaning marketers, (laughs) and any other terms we should just be aware of before we jump into this conversation. Yeah, definitely. So generative AI, I'm not sure that there is truly a universal like definition of it because it is a brand new term that's emerged largely around ChatGPT coming out and these tools that have come out. Yeah. But essentially generative AI, what that is, is there is what's called a large language model, which is a computer algorithm. And I'm simplifying this. It's more just like marketers to understand. You don't need to know like the nitty gritty details. But this computer algorithm is trained on large, large, large data sets. And so when I say large data sets, I'm talking basically the entire internet at this point. It's, It's going out, it's reading, it's consuming massive amounts of data and information. And then once it has been taught all of that information, it actually has the ability to create content based off of what it has learned completely new, completely original, it generates content. 
Now, mm. it, with large language models, it's usually generating written content right now, although this is moving so mind-bogglingly fast that that's not always going to be the case. Yeah. But it will write text, but it's not only used for content. It can be used. It's just responding because it's generating something new. It's inventing something new itself, essentially, and what it is putting out there. There's also generative AI that is image generation. It's similar. It's consumed a zillion different photos and images, art, all of that. And now it's able to create and generate art. Um, they're starting to be similar with video. Um, it's yeah. really it's coming out with voice. There's all kinds of different generative AIs. But essentially, the common thread is that they're creating themselves and it's creating based off of massive amounts of data I've learned on in the past. So the big the things, generative AI, that's what that's meaning. If you hear about large language models or LLMs, that's the algorithms that have gone out and been trained. So if you start hearing about things like GPT-4, that's, yeah. that's the big one that people are talking about in general. Like if you're hearing about models, you're hearing about GPT-4. That is the language model that has been trained on that mm. massive amount of data and is being used to do that generation. Now that's being used to do that generation through lots and lots of different tools. So paid ChatGPT accounts, which you've heard of ChatGPT, yeah. uh, or a lot of people have heard of ChatGPT. Um, ChatGPT is using that either the prior iteration of GPT 3.5, which is a different language model, or GPT-4. Ah. It's serving you that. So ChatGPT is this tool you're using to do it, not okay. the model itself. Lots of other tools, lots of other companies are bringing in that language model, that GPT-4 language model, and using it within their tools and within their products as features. I that explains that a lot. Clear. Yes, yeah. for me at least. Yeah. <laughs> so when I use ChatGPT, it's using most likely GPT-3.5 or something like a historical because it's the free using, version <laughs> if you're using the free version it is definitely using gpt 3.5 okay. which is the generation so it's the second newest generation by that company so okay. OpenAI makes the gpt 3.5 and gpt4 language models they're the parent okay. company they also own chat the chat gpt is one of their products yeah so chat gpt uses gpt 3.5 which is I mean, not old, old, but it's older technology yeah. as far as the model. And then a few months ago, the GPT-4 model came out. And so in uh -huh. a paid account, you can access, paid account of ChatGPT, you have access to the GPT-4 model. The difference between them is essentially how smart they are. So uh -huh. the GPT-4 model is a significant step up on intelligence essentially Ooh. like that's how i mean from other now there is other differences between them on a technical yeah. standpoint but from a you're a marketer using them what's the difference yeah the gpt4 it's just it's higher level reasoning it's able to think through things a lot more it creates wow. higher quality content it's a better writer um, it's just Interesting. smarter so okay and does it also because from what i hear when i use the free version of ChatGPT, it's still backdated up to 2021, I believe. Is that the same with GPT-4 still? So, yes. both. Okay. So, GPT-4 is trained on the internet through September of 2021. So, when you're oh, okay. using these language models, they have been trained on the internet where the internet was frozen in time through essentially September of 2021. And that is going to be in GPT-4 as well. A lot of people think because it's a newer model, it's like newer training that it's not the case. Now, in a page Chad GPT account, so a GPT Plus account, or Chad GPT Plus account, you can select GPT-4 and you can say browse with Bing. And that allows uh. it to search the internet as part of its process of responding to you. But it's huh. not actually updating the training of the model, and it's only going to know it in that exact thread and that conversation you're in. Okay, so, it's not going into the the core computer processor. It's not retraining it. It's not teaching it. And in fact, it's not teaching it everything about a certain topic on the internet. It's like if you went to a website and read that page, or you went to a couple of websites and read that page, 
And then that's kind of what informed what you did in a search or what you did. That's all it's doing. It's okay. not any different than if you copy and pasted the information from a web page onto ChatGPT to give it that context. So it's not like completely it. updating its learning. And that's important for people to understand because yeah. a lot of people don't realize that. It's great for it to be able to go out and do a search or you can use that feature to be like, go to this page on my website and that's the landing page and I want you to write me ad copy that goes with that page. Like there's a lot yes. of benefits with being able to connect to the internet through that, but it's not updating the training of the model. Okay. And likewise, when GPT-4 is used in these other tools, it's not updating the training of the model. Like it stopped. September 2021 is... Yeah, like they would have to come out with it, a completely new model to be beyond September of 2020. Wow. When yeah, will they, that it ever start from scratch, which is millions yeah. and millions and millions of dollars to do a lot of processing power. So they aren't just going to willy nilly like just put out yeah. a new model. So I wonder, and it, it, if you don't know this, that's totally fine. I'm putting you on the spot here, but the, do they plan on updating it to be more real time in the future? Because if you're searching like trends or tell me the top X trends in XYZ, that's not going to be accurate. That's going to be a, a couple years back and soon three yeah. years back. So yeah, so they don't, they haven't been super public about like how real time it mm-hmm. will ever be. And I don't think that honestly, be, like, I don't know the answer to that, but I don't know yeah. if they know the answer to that at this point, yeah. because it is so resource heavy. And there's a lot to learn about, like, what is even the actual purpose of continuing to train? Because there's a lot of different considerations every time they do have to train that get real complicated and not super relevant for marketing. What I do think that they are definitely doing is trying to incorporate ways to add things. So, like, there are ways if you have the Browse with Bing enabled, you can still leverage AI to help you get those new trends. It's just you have to understand it's not reading the entire Internet. It's going out to find the information about those trends or about the pages. Now, I think where we're more likely in the short term to see advancements as far as that, like, access to more and more information like that is where the model gets better at utilizing multiple web pages or, you know, right now, it's not going to go that fast and it's not going to do that many, be able to process that many pages or it's going to start running into tech glitches, things like that. So I think over time, it's just going to get better at handling more and more and more like workload essentially <laughs> like processors yeah. and stuff are able to give it more to do probably more likely than like just consistently updated and they also you know they have to do all kinds of safety testing after mm. they're not just putting these out without safety testing the models and i mean this is a whole world we're not used to and so yeah i just think it's a while before we see like a real time kind of an ai not to say we'll never see it but and it does. It's weird because when I say the model doesn't get updated, it's when I'm saying that, I'm meaning it's not like retraining on the internet. It is yeah. continuously learning. It's yeah. actually continuously learning from everything we do with it. And it's getting better and better and better. GPT-4 is much smarter today than it was the first day I used it when it came out. Yeah. It's wow. learning from You can itself. see a difference. Oh, I, you, yeah. That's Every crazy. Week, I'm like, I have friends that are like as into this as me. I'm like, it's smarter this week, isn't it? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, uh, we'll be like, yeah, I thought it was just me. It's like, no, no, this is getting better. Like, this is wild. Wow. Much. That is wild. And they don't even fully even understand why they develop the abilities they develop. Like, that's yeah. Awful. It's that's a little that's where the scary part comes in. <laughs> yeah. I mean it's but, really cool. I mean sometimes I'll be in chat GPT and it'll tell me I can't do that. Like whatever I ask, and I'll be like, Yes, you can. And I'll be like, Oh, okay, and then I'll do it. Oh wow. Um, you so just have to encourage just, it. <laughs> yeah, you have to encourage it, like pat it on the head. You're good you're good AI. You can do this. I believe in you. Um, it's like raising a child. <laughs> it really, really is. it just it doesn't know it's on So Wow. Well, question about, do you ever leverage Google Bard? Do you play with that as well? And I I play, I use the word play lightly. I know there's some serious work going on, but (laughs) do you leverage that as much as you do chat GPT? I have played with Bard a little bit where it was the last time I played with it. Not to the point as far as sophistication of the model for the type of work I'm doing to make sense to be my primary model. So I tend to really focus on using the GPT-4 enabled 
tools and specifically chat GPT. And it's yeah. not to say I don't think that Bart could get there. I think Google is moving a little bit slower with rolling out their most sophisticated models. And so like, I know there have been updates to Bard and I haven't gone super, super deep in Bard because when I have done my own A-B testing of the same requests and same stuff, just what I got out of the GPT-4 model was significantly better. So yeah, there are tools that I use, but I tend to be a kind of on, I, I like Google. I, this is not a knock on Google in any way. They're doing yeah, yeah. in the space, but like as of yeah. where things are today, exactly, I tend to be on the uh, open eye Microsoft bandwagon as far yeah. as what's adding the highest value. Makes sense. Thanks for sharing. If you know this, Google Bard, are they real time or no AI is going to be real time right now? You know, I don't know what their current model i don't what's not gonna be real as far as i know i don't think there's any way of actually real time of like because they have to train the model now how i do think bard may have internet access now and it has been a minute since i played with bard because i did the initial puffs and went i'm gonna go with the stuff that works better for me so of course i haven't stayed as up to date of exactly what their public access and you know different people have different levels of beta access as well from what I understand so it could be that yeah. I just don't have the most updated version as well but it's not as far as I understand I don't, don't know why there would be any reason that they'd be able to have a truly real-time model because that's just not how it yeah. works like you have to train it you have to then like affirm give it feedback on the kinds of response based off the training yeah. and then like it can connect to the internet to add more but that's again on a search by search basis yeah that makes sense Okay. Well, for everybody listening and B2B marketers, where should we get started working with AI? So, I mean, I'm going to say what you probably have already heard, but get a chat GPT account, um, which you said like you already have a free account. If you can swing the 20 bucks a month, I recommend if you really want to get into the AI, learn what it's capable of, do get that paid account. Because yeah. that, and I don't work for OpenAI. <laughs> yeah. I got a commission for saying that. But the difference in the models, like, it's just yeah. if you're putting the time and energy in, you might as well do it with the one that's going to give you the best possible results for and sure. show you what's really possible to be able to use it and to be able to do things like connect to the internet with that browse with thing stuff. Yeah. You can only do that in paid accounts. So I would say get a chat GPT account and start learning how to communicate with chat GPT. Start experimenting with it. Don't put pressure on yourself. Um, but start learning some, you know, best practices around prompting. Start learning how it works to interact with it. What kind of responses it gives you when you change the prompt. What is the difference in the response? Because most people who think that it doesn't give them a good response, it's because they're not writing a good response. They're not prompting well. They're mm-hmm. not using it well. It's almost universally user error. I've had so many people go, it doesn't put out good quality content. It's very vanilla. It's very boring. It's very generic. And I'm like, yeah, you're the problem. Not the truth. Protective mama over here. (laughs) They're like jaw dropped. Like, wait, it can do what now? So I think that at this point in time for the average consumer, and I mean, business to business marketer, when I'm saying that, but just anybody, like that's the number one tool to learn first before you start stacking anything else on because it can do so many different things yeah and so and you can use it for almost anything and any other tool is going to be more purpose-based like i use this for this i use this for that but at the end of the day if you learn how to use chat gpt you can use it for almost anything yeah so I say build your chat GPT skill set. I think it's very rapidly becoming something we're all going to be expected to do, just like we're all expected to know how to use a word processing document. We're all expected to use email. We're all expected to use an internet search. Like those are just fundamental things you're expecting. Yeah. You know, if you have a job as a professional, like you're supposed to know those things. That's just a given. Yeah. Yep. It is very quickly going to become that with chat GPT. Mm. And so I think get started by learning how to use that tool. And one thing I'm seeing, so I, I do, I test with it, right? I, I haven't yeah. done nearly as much as I should have by now leveraging chat GPT, but I do leverage other tools that have built out yeah. the prompts for me as their own yeah. tools. For example, Pod Squeeze, if anybody 
has not heard me say this and tout it. I love Pod Squeeze. It makes post-production on the podcast so much faster because it spits out all of the content I need right after it's automatically. But one thing I've been testing out is trying to train our brand voice on (laughs) ChatGPT. Do you have any kind of tricks of the trade on how to do that? Yes. Yes. That is one of the biggest things to get ChatGPT to actually be very useful for you. Yeah. So the way you do it, and I actually have a prompt for this saved on my LinkedIn. So if anybody wants my prompt of how I do this, um, I don't recommend copying and pasting a lot of different prompts, but for voice training, it is what it is. And Perfect. so you're not going to write a custom prompt. I'll link your LinkedIn <laughs> post and show notes yeah, I'll, too. I'll give it to you and make sure. Perfect. But essentially what this prompt says is, You are an AI system that is an expert at analyzing writing for style, tone, voice, all of those things. And you're going to do that with the writing sample I'm going to give you. And you're going to then write a description that is for another AI system to be able to write in the same way. And then my prompt gives it a bunch of different guidelines just to get the output. Like I've refined this over time because it makes sure that the output is exactly what ChatGPT is going to need. You put in this prompt that you're going to grab off my LinkedIn and then you copy and paste in the type of writing, like examples of really good version of the writing. So you want to do this differently for every style of writing that you have. Okay. You don't want to do this together as one thing for like all brand voice. You want to have like a version of this for blog posts. Or if you have like five different styles of blog posts, you want a different version for every type of blog post you write. Let's yes. say you're doing a blog post. You would do that prompt. You would paste in your blog post and you would hit submit and it's going to come back with a paragraph that says write in the following voice style and tone with a colon and then it's going to explain how to write like you wow so you would do that for a blog post one you would do that for you know you give it like three or four examples of linkedin posts five examples if your linkedin posts are short you give it exam and you do it it's a different paragraph that's going to come out for your linkedin posts then your blog posts, then your emails, then your website copyright. You want different versions of this for your style of writing. Yeah. And just save those in a Google Doc or a Word Doc, whatever, however you want to save it. And then when you go to create any kind of content of that style, you include that within your prompt. So you're not rewriting this and doing this every time. You're just going, okay, I'm writing a blog post with ChatGPT today. Now let me go grab my voice paragraph that goes in blog posts and I'm dropping that in the prompt as part of my prompt to write the blog post. Perfect. Does it matter if we use the same thread and I could be using the wrong term here, the same thread? Like the right, no, don't use the same thread. Okay. You start a new conversation and just use that description within your prompt in the new conversation because it's going to start getting confused about what you're asking it to do if you continue oh, it in the same thread. It's going to start trying to analyze stuff. It's like, or may, it may not, but it's there's a good chance. So yeah, do it in a completely different conversation. So then when you go to write oh. a blog post, you know, you've done this over here. You've got the explanation of how to write blog posts like your company, like your brand. If you have a lot of people working on the blog posts, have them all use the same paragraph to explain it so that it yeah. stays consistent as far as what it's doing. You may need to experiment, have it generate a couple, see what you like on the outputs. But like, yeah. once you land, have everybody using the same one, assuming they're writing in the same place. Yeah. But you're so you're then you're going, you've got this. When you write your blog post prompt, you're saying you're the top blog copywriter in the world with expertise in e-commerce, you're selling to e-commerce companies, like whatever kind of expertise that is. You are going to craft a blog post for Just Do No, say. You know, you're doing yeah. it for Just Do No or whatever company it is. This is about the company that's writing the blog post. You can save that as a snippet too. This is the voice that you're going to write in. You put in that voice paragraph as part of your prompt. And here are the things we're going to talk about. And you give it the actual ideas. You don't just get to do the thinking. Give it like bullet points of your ideas. Give it a snippet from your podcast that is like you talking about the ideas. Give it something to work with to be the thinking part of it. So it's original thought content. You do that, you're going to have a much better output than just like write me a blog post about e-commerce pop-ups 
or whatever it is. So, Yep, that's perfect. Thank you for that advice. I feel like everybody is going to take notes from this and go test this out after they listen. So that's perfect. And I do want to go back and actually say you should do a outline of the blog post before you do the blog post. So it's work step by step. So ask chat GP. So you actually would start it with all that information, but say, right, need the outline of the blog post with this. Once you have an outline you like, then say, you know, generate section one, two, and three, or you could write the whole thing. But ah, so it does it work best if you step. do, yeah, if you do an outline and then piecemeal of each paragraph as well within the outline or section? Yeah. Uh-huh. Either it doesn't really be the paragraph, but it has like the section or a couple of sections at a time because you can then go in and edit your prompts for each section and give it what you want it to be doing. So when that response comes out, if you see, I don't like how it's taking this on direction, you could just hit the edit prompt button and change yeah. it so that it's now I'm working on this section. I want it to be like this. I want you to include these ideas in this area. You can give it a lot more guidance when you're doing it step by step like that to get it to be what you really want it to be. And for a single piece, let's say a blog post, that can be in the same conversation, that whole process yeah. from the outline to each section. Yeah. So my process for doing a blog post would be an initial prompt asking for the outline. I would then, if I, like, whatever it generates based off my first prompt, I would read it and I would go, okay, is this good to go? Do I want it almost exactly this or do I want it, like, is there something it got wrong and didn't understand? If it got it wrong completely, like, I just, like, it's off track. I do not go and chat to ask it to change that output. I go and I hit the edit prompt button. Most people don't do this. It is the number one game changer in your process is using the edit prompt button instead of chatting to change your outputs. Okay. So I will hit edit prompt, which appears when you hover over your initial prompt. It's a little pen and pencil. And hit that edit prompt button, like change the prompt because you've told it something wrong. If it's completely off base, it's something you told us. You need to edit that prompt. It helps you learn how to write better prompts too because you start to see the difference in your outputs. Save and submit, get the new version. Keep refining your prompt as long as you need to until your outline is really where you want it to be. Now, if you want the exact same outline, but you just want it to add like one thing, then you can chat to do it. Like keep this exactly the same, but add section two, which should be in between one and two that you currently have and include this. You could do that through chat. But if it's really dramatic change, do it through the edit function. That makes Once sense. you have it to where you are, then the next step in the chat is say, okay, now write section one or write the whole post. Like it depends on, so it, my rule of thumb, if you want a short blog post, you can tell it to write the whole post. If you want a longer, really like long form piece of content blog post, then tell it to write it section by section. Ooh, which question on the free version, again, I'm going to get the paid yeah. version right after this call, yeah. but, <laughs> but with the free version, it seems to be limited at around 600 words, I believe is what yeah. I saw around then. Is that the free yeah. version only and the paid version doesn't have a limit? Technically, like how far it will go in an output, it will cut itself off at some, I don't know what the character limit is. It's probably, yeah. it's actually tokens, not characters, I believe, okay. unless they've made a character somehow on the free version. But I'm pretty sure tokens are like fragments of thought. That gets deep in AI. Don't worry about it. It's not the name of characters. It's similar yeah. to characters, but it could be a word. It could be a period. Like it's yeah. an idea. Okay. Yeah, it may cut itself off, but you can just type. Well, okay. So I know on the page version, I can't speak to if the free version does this. If it hits the point where it just like stops mid-sentence, yeah. it now pops up with a continue button. So you can just hit continue and it'll keep writing. If it doesn't do that on the version you're using, because I may have gotten a feature early, it's very possible that happens in my account sometimes. If it doesn't pop up with a continue button, it just cuts off mid-sentence or like the free version doesn't have that. Just write the word continue and it'll keep going from where it is. So just in the chat, just continue and you'll keep going. So you don't really have a character limit. Okay, good to know. I wonder, so while we're talking blog content creation and starting with that, how do we factor in or how do you tell to your clients about factoring in SEO and content creation to still have it be optimized for, to show up in search engines? 
Yeah. So the first thing I think is important to know is because ChatGPT is not connected to the internet, it is not real time, it is not updated. And even when you use Browse with Bing, it's not going to give you like great SEO research. You still do want to be using another tool for the actual keyword research. So Ahrefs, SEMrush, like whatever you've always used for keyword research, it's ChatGPT does not replace that. So like, just remember that first. Uh, One of the ways I like to use it is you just say, or a lot of my clients are using it, is say, you know, hey, I'm using XYZ tool. I want to research this keyword. Give me step-by-step instructions in Zemrush of the best way you would like me to research it for the sake of creating a blog post on this topic, whatever it is. So ask it for the step-by-step instructions to get the keyword list. And then you can you go do that in your tool. I mean, if you're an expert, you could just do the keyword research. But if you're not yeah. an expert, let it tell you how to do it. Yeah. Great for that. Not great for fact-based research, great for how-to research. Well, so grab that keyword list and bring it back to chat GPT and say, okay, we're writing a blog post on this content. These are the SEO keywords we're optimizing for. You could ask it to, if you got a list of 50 keywords, you could ask it to do your keyword clusters for you because it can reason through all of that. It just can't actually go out and tell you what are the right keywords to be using. And then just as part of your prompt, asking it to incorporate those keywords into you know, SEO optimization yeah. for those keywords. I do recommend making sure to also tell it like you're still writing for the end human. Like the end human reader is the priority at the end of the day. You don't want it writing specifically just to optimize for SEO because you're not going to get as good a quality. So make sure you're still giving it the ideas to write with. You're still involved in the process. You should not be removing yourself from the process. Perfect. This is all just amazing tips. I have a ton of notes for me to use personally and hopefully the listeners the same. (laughs) On the flip side of this, beyond content, because I think marketers are already, at least for the most part, bought into, we need to leverage this because everybody else is going to be, so we need to be to be in the game. It's just a matter of how to get started or how to fine tune and tweak. I think we're in that stage, most of us. but. Beyond content creation or beyond like blog content creation, how else do you see B2B marketers leveraging AI or should we okay. be? Yeah. So let me start with where you shouldn't be for a second. Ooh, because I think good one. that it's important and it is like really important thing to understand and working with AI. It is not a fact-based research replacement. And that is really important to know because AI yeah. does something called hallucinating. If you ever hear somebody say my AI was hallucinating, What they're talking about is the AI system will make things up out of thin air and it will do so very convincingly. And so you can ask it to tell you about a topic and it will start giving you facts that it has invented. And this is a problem with every model out there. Like as of right now, there is no, now there are companies trying to come up with solutions to this. There's a company called Raider that has a knowledge graph built in. So it's trying to like flag these hallucinations. Like they're doing things like this isn't no issue that people are trying to solve. By the end of the day, you need to know that it makes things up. And it can be very sneaky in how it makes things up. So you don't want to rely on it for research and you have to fact check everything it says. So if it, you know, you don't know it to be true, if you haven't given it this information, even if you gave it contents and use these, just like make sure it matches, like double check that. But as like, if you're not an expert on a topic, have your subject matter expert review it because it is very good at sounding very convincing. I've had it make up research papers before and it would give me the title of the research, the summary of the research, the institution and all of the people on the research. And when I looked into it, the people really researched that subject matter. Like that really is like their area of expertise. They had worked together in different capacities. They had researched at that institution before. However, that actual paper did not exist. That actual research did not exist. But you know what? If I am just like sort of vaguely aware of that topic, I would have thought like this sounds right. And so, like, there was an attorney that used it to write a legal brief a few weeks back. There was a news story a couple weeks back. There was this news story. This attorney used it to write a legal brief and turned it into the court. Sounded right to him. And the judge went after, like, came back. He got in serious trouble because all of the cases were completely fictional. Oh, my gosh. I've never heard of any of these cases you're citing. Yeah, ChatGPT, man. 
Well, this That's is exactly what, what gets people scared to get started with AI. Right? Don't be scared, right? Like, that doesn't mean don't use it. It just means that's fact something check. you need to know about. Yeah. That is, it is not your fact check. It is not doing your research for you. Do you find it helpful to feed sources then for content creation? Like, use, leverage these sources, and I assume you yeah. can just put in links to pull in information. Can you, you even can, do that? You can only put in the links if you're using Browse with Bang. So if you oh, want to, okay. so, so you have to be on a paid account, GPT-4 set to browse with Bing. And then you could say, okay. use this link as source material. I would tell it to read this link and use the content created. Okay. Like if it's contained, like to inform it. Um, so yes, that helps. It will also give you sources on browse with Bing. So you can click through now, click through to them, make sure they're cool. real, but you can yeah. get sources. But the other piece of it is like yes you can even just copy and paste and like use this information so i really like giving it the content that i want you're like the source material that i want it to use uh, to get the content but i don't want this to scare people out of using it it's just a limitation you need to know exists it is yeah. not a researcher and a lot of people think it is now it is great for other kinds of research like i had an issue the other day where i was saving a I did a save as on a Microsoft Word document and edited it, changed it completely, saved it as a PDF. And when I was opening the PDF, every time I opened it in Acrobat, it was saying that the name of the file was the original name, which I had overwritten. And it was like, what on earth is happening? I've, I've used a lot of technology. You're looking at me like, yeah. what is Yeah. I'm like trying to explain that to Google to get an answer. Do you know how many <laughs> like times I would have banged my head into a wall? Yeah. But I just told Chad GPT exactly what I just told you. And within 30 seconds had this fix. And so like wow. that kind of research, amazing. for Like probably one wow. of the most underrated uses of Chad GPT is I'm doing this is my tech. I'm having an issue or I have a lid. I can't get off of a cup with the cups. A little spicy. There's another thing that really happened. And like, it's cutting my hands. What do I do? Yeah. How the heck do I get the lid off my coffee cup? Wow. I need to wash it. Well, here's 10 without cutting my hands open. Yeah. 10 ways. And here's, let's make you a plan. Follow this strategy of the cup is wow. open. And it's silly, but it's those little things. Really good for that kind of reason. Yeah, Just that makes easily. so much sense because yeah. Google, it's all about how that person, that writer optimized that page to show up. So if the yeah. real answer to how to get the cup, the lid off this cup isn't properly optimized, <laughs> then exactly. it's not going to show up. But AI can it's, knows all of that. It's already absorbed all of that information. And it can reason. I mean, like this thing told me, so is this cup that I have a great cup, but it's got kind of like a spiky texture and I couldn't grip it. It this lid screws on, I couldn't grip it. And Chad GPT suggested it was like, okay, for step one, I want you to put on two sets of like neoprene, like, or like latex gloves, or wow. like, you know, like doctor's kind of gloves if you have them, or you could use, it gave me like options of kind of gloves. I <laughs> but I was step one, it was like, I want you to put on two pairs if you have like the medical gloves because you don't want it to hurt your hand and that'll pad your hand. I'm like, the fact that I thought through that was yeah. like, mind blowing to me. Now I want you to hold the cup, run it under hot water, you know, for this time. And you can bang it three times on the counter. And then I want you to twist. And now you yeah. can get the that and it popped right off. Like any one of wow. those alone wasn't gonna do it. But I mean that's I amazing. Tangent. That's not marketing, but my point is it can do that kind of research. Really. Yeah. It can and do fixes. So, yeah. And so the what can marketers use it for like how to fix your software issue how to leverage yeah. your software yeah you know i've done how do i record the voice on my like phone when i'm recording a screenshot can i record my voice too yes this is the steps you do to do it with that type mm. of phone all that kind of things i've been really handy in marketing how do yes. i figure out how the heck to do this really good um how do I repurpose this content? Let's have a brainstorm session. I'm going to give you yes. a podcast and you're going to come up with different ways that we can leverage this in another way. Give me ideas, draw inspiration from other industries. Really good for that. Building out marketing strategies, building out tracking tables, Excel formats for tracking different things. Yeah. Oh, that can do all of it. Amazing. It's, it is mindful. It can write code. So you can ask it to create, like write Python code and tell you how to execute it to get a graph. 
So you give it the data, you want to create a graph, you can give it your brand colors, and you could say, write Python wow. code to make me a pie chart in my brand colors and tell me how to use Google Colab, I think it's called, to do it. Because if you don't know the software, <gasps> tell me what's a free secure safe software to use yeah. so that I can execute it and how to do it. Amazing. I never, never even had. thought of this for like HTML. So if if you forget your basic as a marketer, basic HTML, and for some reason you need to edit something or create something from scratch, you can ask it to do so if you describe it properly. Yeah, you can ask it what the wow. HTML for something is. You could ask it to write the HTML. Be careful about putting proprietary code in there. Yeah. So it's basic code that's not anything private. Like it's fine, but don't put like your company's private IT yep. code and the chat GPT. But yeah, it can read, write code. It can create, it can format in tables. It can format in markdown, which will give you like bold headlines, bullet points, all of that. Now, again, the GPT-4 model is better on all of this. Oh, it can give yeah. you emojis. That's nice for LinkedIn. Not just oh, like cool. randomly give you emojis, but like you could be like, give me six potential emoji options that would represent this bullet point in my LinkedIn post. And it will like give you the emojis with the thought process between why you might want to use each one. Very cool. Save your yeah. brain the effort of scrolling through all the emoji options. I mean, that's <laughs> a lot of it. It saves your brain yeah. a lot of effort once you yeah. start realizing. I mean, I recommend use it in your personal life too, because it teaches mm. you how to use it for marketing. So like my cup example, like when I learned that, like, you know, using it for something like that, it teaches me something about how to prompt yeah. and things I could do for marketing. It may yeah. not make sense on the surface, but you start to realize its capabilities and how to write the prompts and how to do it. And yep. it starts to be more second nature in your work when you're using it for your personal stuff. You're basically training yourself as you're training the yeah. tool. <laughs> exactly. I, I learned how to do a lot of the marketing on ChatGPT in the early, like, I was on there, I think, the first week it was out, within a few days of it coming out. And one of the first things I did, I was just like, I want to test the limits of this thing. And this was yeah. when it was all 3.5. Like, that was all that existed. Yeah. But I went to my refrigerator and was like, here's a list of ingredients I have in my house. Tell me what I can make for dinner that's only going to take me 15 minutes and it has to use these ones. And then you're allowed to use any of the Amazing. others. Amazing. <laughs> There's five <laughs> options on the recipes. And I was like, oh my gosh. Well, you start realizing that and you start like going, okay, if it can do that for food, then it can also do that for marketing. If I want to come up with yeah. a blog post that uses all five of these ideas and is also allowed to use any of these ideas, like it, you can start to extrapolate wow. what it can do for one thing to another. Also, you'll eat really interesting. Yeah, I'm definitely going to try that out <laughs> soon. Well, what do you see with working with the B2B clients that you have now with AI and marketing? What do you see most or some B2B companies doing wrong? underestimating the potential is on the one hand. I think that like you, I see a lot of companies thinking like all you can do is use it to write email subject lines or shorten copy or, you know, like yeah. very basic stuff, like underestimating what it's capable of on the one hand. On the flip side is overestimating what you should be using it for. So you go to these two extremes. I would say the biggest mistake I've seen anybody make is trying to completely automate AI and remove the human from the process. Uh -huh. And so don't do that. Please don't do that. Like you can set up automations, but do not remove the human from the process. I think yeah. that there's going to be an Instagram of like AI in the wild soon of like all of the fails with like companies clearly setting up trying to skip the human in the process yes. and so i've seen people trying to set up like zapier integrations which you can like i mean this is detail i'm not gonna tell you about how but like there are ways to hook zapier to the open ai's language models and have it automatically generate content and stuff so people i've seen people like setting stuff up that you know when an email comes in i want you to write a response send it to them and also create a LinkedIn post and post it on LinkedIn. And like when you start doing that, that it all just happens through Zapier automatically, save it to your draft folder to actually post it like, review yeah. it because I've seen stuff go out and it's either so obviously AI or the AI has gone rogue in some capacity. Yeah. I was on uh, Amazon the other day, oh, it was just a few weeks ago, and saw a review for something that was like, 
that is an AI language model. I have not <laughs> <No>. actually utilized <laughs> it. That's so funny. So still, um, for sure, we need humans for QA. <laughs> definitely, David, because you don't want it going out and posting like really proprietary, like you know, or like uh, factually incorrect information, right? Because we got yes. that hallucination thing. You do have these random responses sometimes that are like, I don't know how to do that, or I have an AI model, so I am yes. not able to tell you what I feel about this. Nine times out of ten, I'll give you an answer, and then on time ten, yeah. It as an AI language model, I would advise you think through X, Y, and Z, and you might have those random commentaries show up in your LinkedIn post. Wow. We just don't know. So don't always add a human and review. Yeah. <laughs> I know I was this- testing out Google Bard and I asked it for information on just, I assumed, I thought rightfully so, but turns out no. That because it's tied to Google, it would have all of the keyword planning type information in it, right? Available. So what are the top mm-hmm. X keywords I should leverage to rank for this topic? Yeah. Um, and it spit out a chart that looked like yeah. a very Google official chart that had the keywords, the ranking, the search volume, the competition, all of that. Yeah. And then I asked it, is this information correct? And it says, very honestly, no, this information is just for learning purposes and for demonstration. It is not accurate data. You just experienced hallucination. Uh-huh. It makes up of, and it didn't tell you. Now, sometimes it can, and Did you not. ask it, it will tell you. Sometimes yeah. it will double down and say, this is true. And you're like, no, it's not. <laughs> Usually, that was worse at first. Now it's much better about acknowledging it made stuff up. If you tell it, it made stuff up. But you could also tell it it made something up and it'd be true. And it's like, I'm sorry I made that up. So it's like, (laughs) you know, it goes both ways. Yeah. Back to the fact checking. That is the hallucination thing. You don't want to just take it at face value. I mean, sir, you know, persona research, I think it's phenomenal. Like, that's the kind of research you could use it. But that's not necessarily fact based in the same yeah. way and it's like aggregating ideas and information just like you would be from interviewing people so like that's yeah. a better kind of a research but yeah that fact based that's funny but yeah no no just made it, up. <laughs> it was for illustrative purposes exactly. you want to see hallucination in action ask it to tell you about yourself so like go you know i want to know I, like write me a biography for jay and sarah yeah, you, I'm definitely like, going to do that. And says, like, <laughs> I don't know who that is. Probably. Just tell me. First. I um, started a wow. Web3 company that was, <laughs> put me on the Forbes 30 under 30. And I was a revolutionary entrepreneur in selling NFT, like some kind of goggles for something. I know, but like, I was very impressive. I was also like an award winning computer science engineer who went to wow. like Stanford at an LIT. I had a very impressive, completely fictional background. When that Jack is Dukuti so funny. Like, <laughs> I'm like, I feel like that new thing about me from the like entrepreneurial background like it pulled that yeah. in <laughs> and then went haywire <laughs> i was so impressed with myself too bad i didn't do me <laughs> that's hilarious i'm definitely gonna test that later and i know we talked a ton about gpt4 and there's so many <laughs> things i want to test out now do you have any tools AI tools that that you're either excited about or you think we should dabble with beyond just um, chat GPT? Or marketing. Okay, I'm going to give you the list of like the cool ones. So Writer is another for content creation. Really good tool for content creation. Writer. How do you spell that? Just to make sure I have the right. W-R-I-T-E-R. Okay. <laughs> yeah, there is, especially for B2B enterprise kind of marketing. Yeah. Writer is their own language model. It's not through the open AI model. Ooh. Most are, but theirs is actually their own. And it's specifically trained for a business use case. So cool. an enterprise business use case. So they have an interesting tool to check out. They have a style guide. Like you can put in your brand style guide and it will ensure everything follows that. You can also just put your own content in there or like chat GPT generated content in there and cool. make sure it's applying the style guide as well. So writer mm-hmm. is really cool. Mid journey for image generation. Ugh. Now, 
talk to your company attorneys before you go use Midjourney for your images, but it's a very cool tool. Also, if you have Photoshop, start playing with the Photoshop beta. You mm-hmm. have to download the beta of Photoshop, but if you have a Photoshop subscription, you can access it. Wild with cool. their AI image generation. You can't use it commercially wow. yet while it's in beta, but start learning because very it's cool. the most fun thing ever. Descript for video editing. If you're not yeah. already using Descript, it's amazing. Grammarly is just a good one for copy editing. And my favorite, like, other marketing tool that's really, truly a marketing tool is called AnyWord. I have a link to that one in my LinkedIn bio. Like, it's my LinkedIn bio. If you open it, it's got a bunch of links. And there is an AnyWord link in there, which AnyWord is really cool. It can predict the performance of your marketing copy ahead of time. Cool. And so it will score your copy for you and tell you how likely it is to perform. Highly, I really like, like, I've got some interesting, like, content on my LinkedIn about what you can do with it as well. I'll sometimes generate, like, ChatGPT, use ChatGPT to write ad copy and then score it with any word. It can also then, like, generate higher performing variations as well. Wow. It's really cool. I'm going to link to all of these and, of course, to your LinkedIn in show notes so everyone can go wild and and play with all these tools, as I know I will, (laughs) as soon as possible. (laughs) Very cool. Well, Nicole, thank you so much for, again, scratching the surface with us. I definitely would love to have you back on the show to talk more in like six months' time. Six months' time, I wonder how much we'll have changed by then. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to come back. I love talking about this stuff. So, Is there, to sign off, is there one thing or anything that we didn't touch on that you think is just critical for this audience to know, B2B marketers? Yes. Do not put right proprietary information, customer data, anything covered by an NDA into ChatGPT or really any of these tools. Yeah. It is not a good idea. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> do not uh, do it. If you, if you are going to, like, make sure your security team has vetted that specific tool. ChatGPT, just don't. Um, yeah. If there is a tool you think you would want to do that with, make sure your security team vets it. Like, people who understand how it's using the data. Because there are a couple of tools where it is safer, but, like, in general, just don't. Mm. And likewise, like be really aware with like all these free tools that are popping up everywhere, uh, all of the plugins that you can do with ChatGPT, like any of these raw extensions, like think yeah. before you put stuff into it. Like that's all like don't be putting company data or private data into any of these tools. You have no idea who you're giving it to or what they're gonna do with it. And How like, they're using it's it. really exciting. There's really cool stuff. And don't put yourself in a situation that you're gonna regret later because you have just handed over your passwords to organize into some spreadsheet into an AI system owned by some kid in their mom's basement who's going to go shopping. (laughs) Imagine. Be aware. Be aware and use your sense. It's a wild west in this environment. And so there is no regulation. There is no rules. And we don't know who most of these companies are. So just be careful. Really good disclaimer to end on. Have fun. But use it smartly. Yeah. Use your <laughs> Don't <brain>. share any <laughs> any confidential information. Yeah. And fact check. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Nicole. This has been You're super welcome. enlightening. I hope everyone enjoys. And everyone, if you like today's episode, like, share, share as, as much as you can, write a review. It helps us uh, grow as a show. So thanks, everyone, for tuning in today. And thanks, Nicole. You're so welcome. It's so good to be here.